Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. Amen. Thank you, God. your name. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Hey. Don't look at him like he's strange because he knows where we've been and he knows where we've had to travel and he knows and there are witnesses among us who know. So we can't come in here. Come on, somebody. We can't come in here looking cute. We can't come in here not trying to mess up our makeup. God has been too good. Too good. Too good. Too good. Too good. Don't you let the rocks crowd for you. Don't you let him. Don't you let him. Too good. Too good. Too good. Oh, God, I thank you. Oh, Lord, I thank you. Oh, I thank you. And we do not take this moment for granted. We do not take this moment for granted. And you may have to excuse us because I got some worshipers in the house. You may have to excuse us because we got some worshipers in the house. And they don't mind you hearing them. They don't mind touching you on the, on the shoulder. Come on now. They don't mind. Hallelujah. Telling you how God, good God is being. They don't mind. And we push. We push by the testimony of our words. Hallelujah. Y'all better sit on down. Got me all stirred up. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the spirit that is rest, ruling, and abiding in this house. And it's almost like we're pregnant and we just ready to give birth. We've been carrying this baby for 45 years. <laughs> and we're ready to give birth. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. First and foremost, I want to thank my Heavenly Father as my creator. I want to give honor to the pastor of the house, Dr. Passy Preston. 
Thank you for challenging me to seek my gifts. To the ministers on the roster, to my PGC family, it feels good to be back home. Hallelujah. To my family, to the giants whose shoulders I have stood on, my grandmothers, Mother Gladys Virgil and Rosetta Piggies, to the first women preachers I ever heard, Eldress Rachel Latham and Eldress Katie Horn, I say thank you. To the churches from Inglewood, California, Longpoke, California, and Tucson, Arizona, thank you for giving me on-the-job training in your youth ministries, in your young adult ministries, and the deacon ministry. To my son, Elijah, and my daughter, Layla, thank you for mandating that I be the best version of myself. Hallelujah. To my mom and dad, thank you for raising me with strength and boldness. To my brothers and sister, thank you for giving me the grace to be your big sister. To my aunts and uncles and my cousins and my sister-in-laws, thank you. You are my tribe. You have kept me humble throughout the years. To my neighbors and coworkers who are streaming online, thank you for caring enough to tune in. And I pray that something I say today will not be a waste of your time. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you as humble as we know how, thanking you for this day, for this time, for this hour. Thanking you for bringing us here in this place of worship where you are the center of our joy. We thank you, Lord, and we honor you today. Lord, I do not take it for granted as I stand here. I recognize that this is hollow ground and it should be treated as such. Let me hide behind you as your word goes forth. Hide, Shelley, so that the people will see you and they will hear you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I started this journey in 2014 when I moved back to North Carolina having been gone to college. And I looked on the internet for PGC, because I had needed somewhere to worship. And when I first got here, I met with Deacon Ophelia, and I met with Pastor Classy. And it was then that we discussed my spiritual gift profile. And all of you that are PGCers, you know um, that everyone goes through that. It was in that moment that I was given permission to freely operate in my gifts and to find out what God had placed inside of me. Shortly after that, I convinced my sister in Christ, Miss Diane Harris, to do a reference letter for me to go to seminary. And she asked me, are you sure that's what you want to do? But for me, seminary was the only way I knew how to sort out what ministry looked like. And it was the main place I could be to study the one book that I really wanted to know about, the Bible. So my journey was with seminary. 
I worked here in the nursery. I worked here on the women's ministry. And everything that was in front of me was uncertainty. But God knew where I would be, and he knew that this day would be in. He knew this day would be here. And just as Esther was walking into the unknown, I walked into the unknown. And God, as, we, as I walk you through her story, you're going to see how, yes, it was the unknown, but God was there with her every second of the way. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Esther chapter 4. 13 through 16. If anyone is a familiar, how many of you are familiar with Esther? It's a very common story. And today here, I'm a teacher by trade. But today I want you to leave away with here with something. Something that's going to pique your curiosity to go back and read the story. Something that's going to motivate you to dig deeper. That is the goal today. When you look in the book of Esther, Israel is in exile. They've been held captive because they were disobedient to God, and they've had different kings over them in their disobedience. In chapter 1, the king's name is King Xerxes. He's a Persian king, and he's over 127 provinces that reach from India to, well, let me see what the other place was. It was India, and I believe it was to the new Persian lands. But his lands were very vast. He was known to have many possessions. He was known to have marble paveways. He was known to, um, as, his, as he entertained his court, he was known to let them drink out of gold cups. He was very boastful. Um, he, he continually, continued, continued would gather treasures upon uh, in his in his um, stead two things I want you to remember about King Xerxes he was a very hasty king he made two hasty decisions decisions in the book of Esther the first one he called his first queen Queen Vashti to the court she refused to come all of this was in chapter one she refused to come and by the time they got to chapter, chapter 1, verse 13 to 14, he had already banished her, and he had already removed her from her position in chapter 1. The second hasty decision that King Xerxes made was he made a new, Haman was his new chief minister. And Haman said, hey, I don't like these Jews. They're scattered all over the, the land. They don't obey your laws. There's no benefit. They have no benefit to you, King Xerxes. Immediately, King Xerxes responds, do what you will with them. So King Xerxes immediately in Esther makes hasty decisions. And why is this important? Because it's going to tell you just how critical Esther's decisions were. So it's very important that you understand. Now let's look at Esther. Esther was from the tribe of Benjamin. And she lived during the time that Israel was exiled. After her parents died, she was adopted by her cousin Mordecai. This is quite fortunate because Mordecai was a God-fearing man. Not only was Esther an ordinary woman 
living in a foreign land, she was also a part of a minority race, held in low esteem. I cannot imagine the pain young Esther had to endure in her upbringing. In the time, in this time, there were many Jewish children whose parents had died. Rather than becoming rebellious and resentful over her troubled life, the Bible says Esther was obedient to Mordecai as she was brought up by him. While some of you may have grown up under painful circumstances, tend to question God's goodness and grow distrustful towards others, Esther's heart was tender and she was noticeably very kind to others. So after King Xerxes, he has banished the first queen. He needs another queen, right? So he sends out a decree to the land. Go find me all the virgins in the land so that I may make one of them my queen. Well, Esther doesn't have a choice in the matter. She hasn't had a choice in her past, and now she doesn't have a choice in her future. So she has to go to the king's court. And could you imagine this? As all the virgins were called, she would lose her virginity in the process. And whether or not the king chose her as a wife, she would become his property and never allowed to return to her life with Mordecai. I can only imagine this, imagine everything that would go on as the virgins gathered, as everyone wanted to have a night with the king. But yet, despite her past, Esther had to humble her spirit, stay calm, and ride the wave. Hallelujah, ride the wave. It says Esther's spirit shined brightly in Esther chapter 2. And she won favor in the eyes of all who saw her, including the king's eunuch who had been put in charge of the virgins. When the king summoned the virgin, he was allowed to, they were all allowed to bring whatever they would like. But Esther didn't pick all this elaborate stuff. She only took what the eunuch recommended she take. And because of this, she found favor in King Xerxes' eyes. Because of the gravity of her not having control over her past. Mordecai, her father, advised her, do not tell them about your Jewish nationality. So can you imagine you have a young girl? She's got to be called to the king's court. Her parents are dead. Come on, somebody, her parents are gone. They're already in captivity. What do I do? And I can't tell anyone who I am. I can't tell anyone who I am. So King Xerxes has all the virgins coming. And Mr. Haman, his chief minister, he makes a decree about the Jews that he wants to destroy them. Mordecai gets the word, and Mordecai tells Esther, hey, you need to go tell the king about this. And Esther responds initially, hallelujah. She didn't say yes initially. Go back and read it for yourself. She didn't say yes initially. What she said was, I am painfully aware of the circumstances. Although I am the queen, it's against the law to approach the king without being summoned. 
the penalty of breaking this law, apart from the king's favor, is death. However, on the other hand, if I do nothing, this is what Mordecai says will happen. And this is our scriptural text today, Esther chapter 3. Are you following me? Did I, did I lead you up to where we, where we, how we got there? And so this is what Mordecai tells her. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will rise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. Don't think it's just going to pass by or it's just going to, you know, kind of hop over. This thing is here. Something has to happen. Someone has to move. And Mordecai goes on to say in Esther chapter 3, Esther responds by putting her hope in God. But he goes on to tell her, and who knows that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. So I was an orphan. My uncle raised me. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I made to go to this place that I didn't want to go, to this hasty king who makes decisions on the drop of a dime. And I may lose my virginity to a person that I didn't even pick. And my uncle tells me, perhaps, perhaps you have come to this position for such a time as this. Esther responds by putting her hope in God and sends word to Mordecai. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. God will work it out. For everyone to fast and pray for three days. And then she goes on to say, if I die, I die. After three days, Esther courageously put on her royal robes and stood in the place she might die. But instead of death, the king granted her favor, asking what she wanted. You guys better go read Esther when you leave here today because you can get something from it. There's a lot of nuggets in here, and I'm just skimming over some of it. But she said, if I die, I die. She won favor of asking the king. He asked her what she wanted. And with her first request, she began a master plan that only God had given her. And due to God's deliverance, Haman was executed. Mordecai was honored. And the Jews were empowered to defend themselves. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to shout in here. And what I have five points that I want you to be able to take away from Esther's story. How do we respond to God's call on our life? God called Esther. He called her through her uncle. Because he asked her, could it be that such a time as this is for you? How do we respond to God's call in our life? How does Esther's story inspire us to move forward? The first point, God uses ordinary people. You ordinary. I'm ordinary. Everyone in here. We are ordinary. Esther was an orphan. 
It does, you don't need degrees to answer God's call. You don't have to go to all these. Education is great. You just have to have a heart to do. Just have a heart to do. Hallelujah. 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 Look at my friend Moses. He said, I can't even talk. God said, okay, I got that. I got that figured out. We got that worked out. But God uses ordinary people. Esther was an orphan. She was born into slavery. She was a, the life of exile is all she knew. And she was an or, God took an ordinary person and did extraordinary things. He took Esther as an ordinary woman and made her the queen of Persia. Do you get the gravity of that? King Xerxes was over 127 provinces. He made her the king of Persia. What more would he do for you? What more would he do for you? God uses ordinary people. So when you go in your house today, tomorrow, and you stand in the mirror, are you an ordinary person? Can God use you? Hallelujah. Do you need someone else to tell you God can use you? Mordecai was there to help usher Esther in. But all of us don't need that because God has already told us what the call is. He's already told you what to do. All you have to do is move into it. The second point is don't allow your circumstances to make you bitter. This doesn't happen. <laughs> we never see this happen. Do not allow your circumstances to make you bitter. Why am I saying this? Because it comes from the heart. And bitterness hardens your heart. Bitterness hardens your heart. So if you're going to answer God's call, hallelujah, you cannot allow circumstances. You cannot allow circumstances to make you bitter. Esther had every right to be made. <laughs> she had every right to go into that harem with those other virgins and be upset. But she wasn't. She wasn't. The third point. How do you respond to God's call in your life? You will need mentors. And I say this because today everyone thinks that they can get there by themselves. And I say this because it takes a village. It takes mama. It takes papa. It takes auntie. It takes boo-boo, juju, auntie this. It takes everyone. Because everyone has an assignment, and you can't do their assignment. It takes godparents. It takes aunties. Hallelujah. It takes everyone. You will need mentors because you don't know it all. I know I got some brains in here. I know I got some people whose IQs are probably out the door. But you don't know it all. You just don't. We were not prepared to know it all. You will need mentors. Seek mentors. Ask them, how did you get there, Pastor? How did you do it? Ask them. 
Read your word, but ask them, what do you, what do you think about this? What did you interpret when you read that word, Deacon Gino? You will need mentors. Mordecai was there, hallelujah. He was there for my sister Esther. And he would watch, and they said he would go. If you go back and read, he would go, and he would watch when she was there, and he would make sure she was okay. You will need mentors on this journey. If you don't have one, get one today. Get one. Get someone that you know can get a prayer through. I ain't talking about the girlfriend who just get somebody. Hallelujah. I know my, my friend, my neighbor is, is laughing now because she is the one I can go to and we can have a Holy Ghost party. Have a Holy Ghost party. Find somebody you know you can get a prayer through. And it doesn't matter your age. Older people need mentors too. How do I navigate through this? I've never been this age before. How do I navigate through this? How do you stay sane in retirement? How do you keep yourself busy? How do you keep your mind sharp? Hallelujah. You will need mentors. And Queen Esther showed us that. My fourth point. Oh, about the mentors. I'm sorry. Titus 2 says that he calls the olders to teach the younger, which means God's plan is and always has been to mentor the next generation. So that's in Titus 2. My fourth point is to keep it real. Any call from God is hard. Keep it real. If you go back and read the scriptures, um, Esther wasn't jumping up and down when Mordecai said, go to the king. <laughs> Keep it real. She didn't respond with a yes, but she didn't respond with a no. Be honest with God. God, I don't think I can do this. It's burning in my heart, but I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Be honest, because he knows the way that you go. And he just wants you to say, I'll try. Let me take one step. Okay, that was all right. Let me take another one. That's all he wants. That's all he wants. But be real with it. And I see so many people, they're not real about this, about this journey. And I'm going to speak specific to ministers, but they're all fivefold ministry. There are other positions and jobs in the church that you can do. But it's not easy. And taking upon the mantle to be God's mouthpiece for him to use your arms and use your legs and for you to go before people. It's not easy. And anyone who tells you that, I would examine where that's coming from. But you got to be real. And you overcome and you tell other people, yes. Sometimes I can barely get in my word. Yes, I have to carve out a whole week just to study a scripture, Pastor. Yes, you be real because that's how other people are going to get the faith to continue. But if you make it look like it's so easy and it's a piece of candy, taking candy from a baby, no one's going to be delivered from that. Be real about it. And I love Esther and I love how the text brought out that she was real about the initial decree. And after speaking to Mordecai, he kind of smoothed it over. And she fasted. She waited on God. Fasted in prayer. Go back and read it. That's what she did. 
She didn't just jump out there. I don't think I would either. But she fasted and she prayed. And then she went forth before the king. Hallelujah. I'm almost done. I'm going to get to my fifth point. You have to know what's in your heart and what is your why. How do you respond to God's call in your life? You have to know your why. And when I was in seminary, it was the first question, why are you here? What makes you get up in the morning? What makes you get on your knees and pray? Why? What is your why? You have to know your why. And Esther goes and she says, she realized it wasn't about her beauty, Reverend Bell. She realized and it wasn't about, she was a virgin. It was about the bigger picture. Had nothing to do with her. It was about God's bigger picture and his plan to save the children of Israel. But you got to know your why. What is your why? What is your why? Why do you take on the mantle? Why do you preach? Why do you want to be evangelist? What is your why? Why do you want to teach people? What, 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 what is your purpose? That's the first question. Go to God. God, what do you want me to do? I'll sit here. I'll sit here until you tell me what you want me to do. I'll stay. I'll keep getting up in the morning until you tell me what you want me to do. Everyone wants to know, God, what did you create me to do? Everyone wants to know. And I would, I would challenge you that I believe it goes further than that. But you've got to stay here. You've got to stay here to figure out what that is. You've got to stay here. You've got to stay. You've got to stay. How else are you going to find it out? How else are you going to answer the call? You've got to hear. How are you going to hear if, you, if you're not here? You've got to get on your knees before God. You've got to hear. So that's my challenge for you today. Here, get on your knee. Whatever you got to do, if it's a closet, get in the closet. If it's a room, whatever you got to do to hear from God, do it. Whatever it is. If you got to get in your country, your church music, oh, that's what you do. But for such a time as this, you got to hear it. You don't have the time. You don't have it. Whatever you got to do. Hallelujah. I need you to do it. I need you to do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I gave you five points for those that my note takers out there. God uses ordinary people. Hallelujah. Don't allow your circumstances to make you bitter. You will need mentors. Keep it real. Let God know what's in your heart. Any new job is going to be scary, in the spiritual or in the natural. But keep it real. And know your why. Know your why. Esther could not have known how powerful her words of surrender would resonate down the ages. 
Her love for God and her people took precedence over her love for herself. Esther's story is a direct testimony to respond to God's call any means necessary. Our plans are not God's plans. You have to put aside how you thought your life was going to be. And let me stop there. (laughs) You have to put aside how you thought your life was supposed to be. Raise your hand. Everyone thought they knew what their life was going to be probably last year. Is it the same now? (laughs) This is a testimony of the people. You have to put aside how you thought it was going to be. In 2014 of January, I had a car accident. I almost lost my whole family in 2014. In 2019, I was hit by a car. In November of 2019, my father died unexpectedly. Five months later in April of 2020, my grandmother died. Four months later, I went through a divorce. Put aside what you thought your life was going to be. Because if anyone would have told me that that's how this life was going to go, I think I would have ran and went the other way. Come on, Kim. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. God's plans are not your plans. That's why you got to sit and you got to hear. Because his thoughts are so beyond what you could even imagine. What you can even imagine. I didn't know how this ministry would look. I didn't know. And God said, I already got it on my calendar for September the 24th, 2023. It's already on my calendar. But I'm trying to give you the steps of getting there. One step after another step after another step. God, read the Bible. God never gives you all the details. Never. He says, go. I'll tell you after you get there. He, it never, he never gives you A, B, C, D. It, it, it never happens like that. So if you're not used to it, get used to it. He'll give it to you after point A. Hallelujah. And so that's how it has been in my life. And it sounds like that's how it has been in other people's life. In closing, most of the time, we all want to know who we are and what our purpose is in God. And my challenge to you today is to read Esther and to go back to the manufacturer because he created you. He knows the instructions. He knows the nuts and the bolts that it took to create you. And he has put everything in the toolbox that you need. He's put everything in the toolbox to make you work the way you're supposed to work. And if you're not working the way you're supposed to work, then maybe 
you might need to go back to the toolbox. God, how did you manufacture me? How did you design me to be? Hallelujah. Go back to the manufacturer. I don't have all the answers, but God does. And you have to trust that he knows exactly what tools to use to bring out the best in you. And we were talking the other day to some friends, and, they were, and my friend was saying, no one wants to go through anything. No one wants to hurt. No one wants to grieve. Whew. No one wants to cry. No one wants the bank account to be on the negative. We just, we just don't want to hurt. We don't, we don't want to go through trials. We don't want to go through tribulations. But I can tell you today, I wouldn't be here without the trials, without the tribulations, without the hardships. I wouldn't be here without it. I wouldn't be here without it because that's what builds faith. No faith, no test, no faith. How are you going to build your faith if everything is comfortable? How is, how is Esther going to move? If everything stays comfortable, he said, Mordecai said, no, you got to go. You can't stay in this comfortable place. You have to move. What I told God is that I refuse to die until he brings out the best in me. That is my proclamation. Hallelujah. I refuse to die. Come on, Kim. I refuse to die until he brings out the best in me, in you, in you. You refuse it until he brings out the best. God kept telling me, you got to move the needle. We too comfortable. We gotta, the needle's been here. Pastor, you preached about that. People been in COVID and they just still in COVID. You got to move the needle. You got to move the needle. I refuse to die until he brings out the best in me. God, do what you got to do to bring out the best in me. Do what you got to do. I don't want to live a life of just complacency. I don't want to live a life of just Do what you got to do to bring out the best in me. Everyone has a purpose. Everyone has a call on their life. Do it. Do it. Hallelujah. I refuse to die until he brings out the best in me. And I want to see greatness from everyone in here because God is going to accept nothing less. Nothing less. Hallelujah. Church, 
Post Office Box 3603, Cary, North Carolina, 27519. Or call us at 919-363-5198. Or visit us on the web at www.pgc-carry.org. Thank you again.